0: Hmm. recorded live hello everyone. This is Shedric in israel and welcome to uh talk Show. uh today's date is uh june sixth two thousand and eighteen The time now is seven o'clock um 26 after at the seven p m eastern Standard time and um today my topic is going to be called
1: Trump 2018
0: Clamante Rome. <laughs> um, I felt that that topic is very pertinent um, for several reasons. Um, in the news, um, actually, out. Let me start from. Uh, I think about like May 1st of 2018. It was reported that Trump had pardoned um, Trump pardoned this guy named Dinesh D'Souza. Um now this article I uh had read to a couple of people. Um the article was written by a guy named Eric Levitz. And this is from the Daily Intelligencer. And um, well, I think it's uh, – well, he, I guess he writes for the Daily Intelligencer, but it's from – the um, website is newyorkmag.com. That's N-Y-N-A-G.com. And um, in the article, it basically talks about the guy named Dinesh Desouza. Now, I had never heard of Dinesh D'Souza before, but um, according to the article, um, um, Trump decided to strike an even more powerful blow against America's criminal injustice system by offering a full pardon to the former political prisoner and path-breaking public intellectual Dinesh D'Souza. Um, It states that in 2012, the SOSA, uh, well, he released an investigative
1: documentary in um, um, 2016, um, uh, Obama's America. It says that uh, here, hold on, I'm just trying to make sure I get this together. Okay, the
0: D'Souza basically arranged for uh, $20,000 worth of illegal campaign contributions for a Republican Senate candidate uh, who untimely lost more than 40 points.
1: Um, he pretty much,
0: uh, basically he was... Um, he got caught basically committing um candidate party fraud he was taking he was taking party funds and he was um he was basically maneuvering them funneling them through uh fake names um for specific republican party candidates and he was um he was charged
1: basically he was charged with a crime and um Please. this is not the article i read give me a second you guys okay. Bash my phone is acting up here. Okay. See if I can pull it up here. And I wanted to basically make sure that I, um, hold on. This
0: is Shedrick here, here. Um, and the title of this discussion is going to be called Trump 2018 uh, Clement of Rome, and the reason why I chose this particular topic is because today I want to kind of talk about clemency and pardoning and amnesty. Um, I felt... That, in this time, we are seeing many things happen in the United States that um, a lot of people uh in our generation have not been exposed to um, in regards to um seeing you know maybe their first political prisoner freed or um uh, hearing about a president pardoning um, pardoning a political prisoner or someone who um, have, may have served a great deal of time um uh, locked down or some sort or um doing their time uh for a crime nonetheless um and I'm speaking I guess you can say majority on the half on behalf of the millennials um because I know that, you know, they are seeing things for uh you know for the first time. Um, but I'm pretty sure they start studying, they can go back in uh history, they can start seeing how repetitive these things are and that's because, you know, scriptures say that, you know, in the book of in the book of Ecclesiastes there's nothing new under the sun. So, with that being stated, um, May 1st, um, I had read an article, and it was talking about Trump freeing a man uh, by the name of Dinesh D'Souza. Now, let me make sure I get this article because I want to uh, bring up a couple of points. So, this is, a, I guess this is a some pretty interesting things um here because the guy Dinesh de he was responsible for um well let me just say it this way he got caught up in a scandal where he was fund. he was uh committing um candidate campaign uh, fraud or some something like that. Um well, it says here in 2014, he uh, he pleaded guilty to making illegal campaign contributions in other people's name. It says that um, um, the White House basically released a, a statement during this time, May uh, maybe a little bit before um, May 31st. In the, uh, I think it was uh, May 31st, not May the 1st, I'm sorry. And it says that, um, in the president's opinion, a victim of selective prosecution, an opinion that was roundly rejected by a federal judge when DeSouza was sentenced. The White House also, the White House also noticed that DeSouza accepted responsibility for his action and completed community service. So it says that um, says that DeSouza has been an outspoken supporter of President Trump. Uh, According to the article, this is the fifth of part, this is the fifth part in Trump's presidency. He told reporters on Air Force One uh, Thursday, um, I guess this was the Thursday around uh, centering around this particular article that he's considering using his clemency power in other high profile cases. Um, he said that he, you know, considered granting clemency or pardoning, or granting amnesty to Martha Stewart, who served time for a conspiracy and lying to federal investigators, uh, but has been free for more than a decade. Um, Trump said she was unfairly treated and used to be his biggest fan in the world. Um, And he also talked about Rod uh, Blagojevich, um, who was sentenced to more than a decade in prison for corruption after he tried to sell the senate seat vacated by former uh president barack obama. Um this article was written by Justin Sullivan um for NPR. I'm not familiar exactly with the um well not Justin Sullivan, that's the person who took the pictures. Um but Camilla Dominovsk uh her last name is uh well her name is spelled C A M I L A D O M O N O S K E. Um and the name of the article uh is Trump Pardons Dinesh DeSouza, who pleaded guilty to campaign finance fraud. And this was written uh six days ago, um May thirty-first, uh, not May the first, I apologize. Um on npr.com. And by the way, if you have the Google app, pretty uh, Google Newsstand app, you can uh, find it on there. So we hear in the article that President Trump has, during this time, granted five pardons, but um, I think it was maybe yesterday, or let me say today, there was a release um, there was an article released a day, maybe a couple of hours ago, talking about um, a young um, a, a young lady by the name of Alice Johnson. She was granted clemency. Uh, this article uh, is written by BBT News and. The name of the article is Alice Johnson. Trump Trump grants Kardashian's clemency plea. So, um, the according to the article, basically Kardashian uh, prayed or uh, asked for a petition from or to Trump to grant clemency to a lady by the name of Alice Johnson. I'm not familiar with the young lady, but. According to uh this um woman or according to this article, this article says that um she was jailed in nineteen ninety six with fifteen others for taking part in a cocaine distribution ring. She was convicted on charges of attempted possession of drugs and money laundering in Tennessee and is and is expected to be released. Um Of course, it says that she's going home. Um, well, according to the article, it was mentioned that she had been, you know, mentioned to President Barack Obama uh, in 2014, um, said that she met the criteria, but I guess around that time I'm not necessarily sure what was going on uh, and why he didn't use his clemency uh, powers to um, grant the young lady uh, a pardon. But nonetheless, today, it seems that Trump has done this. So I guess I'm going to say all this is uh, very important um, because we live in a time where there's so much going on uh, with, uh, quote, unquote, racism. Um, there's so much hate in the air, and there's so much um hostility um but there seems to be a dark cloud specifically over our people because we still seem to be uh drenched in this uh, this identity crisis. I didn't want to say it like that, but we seem to be drenched in this identity crisis. It didn't just start. The identity crisis didn't just start. It started before we came over here on this here continent. And we um, have went through certain many transitions of corporate identity, um, you know, being called Negro, colored, um, and all this is under, you know, the process of color of law, uh being called colored, uh Afro-American, Afro I mean American, Afro I'm African American, black, um, and you know, in the Middle Ages we were called black amores. But nonetheless, uh there seems to be now this overwhelmingly um uh Cloud of identity confusion amongst our people, you because we have lost our heritage and because we've lost a sense of who we are um, with the internet and with it being at the tip of our fingers, we have you know access to so to so much information um but and what was going on now is that, in the midst of us having this cloud of identity crisis, there seems to be a shift in knowledge about who we are as a people on this continent um I remember you know going back back in two thousand and eleven when i um, first found out that I was an Israelite it was very, uh, very, I don't, I can't even describe the feeling. I think I was, I was sad. I was, you know, mad. I was angry too. Um, but I think I was more sad because when you start to read, I mean, I've, I've read the scripture so many different times, but when I was, you know, com- someone confirmed for me that I was in the scriptures because the scriptures had my heritage in it. But with the heritage, I read so much sorrow, so much sadness, and not so much sadness due to um, the prophecies. I'm happy that the prophecies are happening, but it's, there are things a part of the prophecy that makes me sad, and most of it has to deal with uh, most of our people still being punished for ignorantly sinning and consciously sinning and um, we really haven't necessarily learned how to deal with uh, that punishment. And we can't deal with it because we can't recognize that it's going on, and we can't recognize that it's going on necessarily because we don't know who we are that we should have received the type of punishment that we're receiving. So um, in the midst of this, you know, me saying these different things, going back to the uh, beginning of the topic, we're talking about pardoning people and ends uh uh pardoning and clemency, which means mercy or leniency and we're talking about the fact that in you know in two thousand and eighteen you know trump uh President Trump has now you know granted six um, um pardons in the first year of his term. And it's, it's, you know, pretty interesting how all of this – it's pretty interesting how this unfolds because around the same time that there's so much uh, wave of racism in the air, here you have a man who has – Gosh, he's seen so he had so much criticism over you know his uh, administration thus far, and in the midst of the criticism, he has managed to grant clemency to so many different people. Um, I uh, I was thinking to myself, I was reading in the scriptures some time before about. Cyrus the Great, and it's funny that you know bringing up Cyrus the Great because uh, not too long ago Trump was in the state of Israel uh, some time ago, and all this was centering around the the opening of the uh, embassy in Jerusalem, which has now been dubbed as the capital of the corporate state of Israel, and what? Why is that important? Is because they put him on a coin with Cyrus the Great as a form of homage uh, to pay a form of homage to him for now recognizing, according to the 1995 uh, Jerusalem Embassy Act, um, which was basically brought into fruition. Through uh, a pocket vote, and um, for those who don't know what a pocket vote is, basically, if, um, if Congress doesn't, uh, this you know they can't get a, uh, if they can't get a, uh, a bill passed by the president, they can't get them to sign off on it. Of course, they have to wait ten days, and if uh, you know, the president doesn't even nod his head at it after those 10 days, then the bill becomes uh, a law, so to speak. And this is an act. So uh, the, the, the the, the bill became an act and it pushed through and it got accepted. Now, of course, it was not acknowledged by the UN. So, you know, I think there was 123 or 129 countries I can't remember off the top. I know it was 120-something countries that basically dissented against the idea um, for international law reasons. So they basically felt like, no, you know, we're not going to encourage you to uh, break international law uh, law, along with the state of Israel. Um, But so that I can keep ground inside of the uh, discussion, we're talking about clemency. Um, they see Trump as a uh, Cyrus the Great. Now, Cyrus the Great in the book of uh, the Apocrypha, which means hidden, um, actually in, not in the Apocrypha, I'm sorry, in the book of Ezra. I apologize. I was thinking about the uh, Apocrypha while I was speaking. In the book of Ezra, in the beginning of the book, it starts out with a decree um, by Cyrus the Great, and he's granting amnesty to uh, the children of Judah, the, the tribe of Judah, or the children of the captivity. And he grants them the permission to go back and rebuild the temple for the second time. And, um, Of course, they met some, you know, they met some very um, trifling – they met some very trifling people. You know, kings were trying to stop them from building – there were uh, several kings around them and uh, the lands that actually belonged to, uh, I think, the northern tribes, um, as well as – Uh, Judea or Judah at the time belonged to them, and they basically were, you know, telling Cyrus, hey, you know, these people shouldn't be allowed to build here. But Cyrus was like, no, I'm not going to, you know, stop them from following through God's plan. But the key point is here is that Cyrus the Great basically allowed these people to go and build the temple according to the message that Cyrus the Great, who you could consider at the time to be the Christ of Persia at that time. Because he had already undefeated uh he had already defeated the Babylonian Empire. So now you see the up uh rising of uh the Persia kingdom and um he granted them amnesty. He forgave them for everything that you know they had done. I mean, even though it was stated that Judah, which included Benjamin and the Levitical priests, had become so they had become so treacherous. They had become treacherous uh, to the statehood. They had become treacherous to their constitution. They had become treacherous to their own policies. They had become treacherous to each other. Um, the country was in shambles, but they did their time, they did their bid, and Cyrus felt in his heart that these people needed to be pardoned, and, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be a leader, you know, to have a great deal of compassion for someone who you know, was given um, um, divine oversight over uh, universal law or natural law, and, you know, were chosen as God's priests, earthly priests. You know, I can imagine what it's like to have the, you know, mercy in my heart to free these people at such a, you know, magnanimous level, like, you know, freeing a whole nation of people. I think that's beautiful. Um, But tying that back into the whole discussion with Trump and his clemency, uh, he was able to use his uh, clemency power to um, grant a pardon to these... uh, People, And uh, he decided that he wanted to grant clemency to Martha Stewart as well, according to the article, Um, but Allison Johnson as well. So I'm taking into consideration uh, his clemency initiative because there is somebody else that I had in mind that I think that should be granted clemency. And maybe a lot of people maybe already know what I'm going to say, um, but if you don't know who I might be mentioning, I'm talking about uh, Sada Shakur. When I read the article with uh, about Alison Jones and, and the whole uh, situation regarding her, I said to myself, um, You know, if Trump can pardon Alice Alice Jones, I'm sorry, Alice Jones, let me make sure I say her name right, I apologize, Alice Johnson, if he can, if President Trump can pardon her, then I was thinking that Asada Shakur should be pardoned as well. Now, for those, you know, who may not be, uh, familiar with Asada Shakur. And for the um, offspring who may be listening to this in the future, um, Asada, now this is Wikipedia, Asada Alug Bala Shakur, who was born Joanne Deborah Byron uh, in July 16, 1947, she, um, she was convicted. Um, under New Jersey's aiding and abetting statute, of the first degree murder of a state trooper by the name of Werner Forster during a shootout in, uh, on the New Jersey Turnpike in 1973. Um, according to Wikipedia, it says that on November 2, 1979, she escaped from prison, and in uh, 1984, she surfaced in Cuba. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, that all this is going on at the time um, with Trump granting so many pardons um, because a lot of people have a very, very negative impression of him. Um, Some people, you know, have a very negative impression of him because he has said some very not-so-great things. I'm not a Trump fan. But I will say this, and this is to anybody, you know, one of the things that I will say is uh, when you start learning about law and you start learning about the different elements of government, um, if you own a business, if anybody who's listening to this owns a business, I can imagine what it's like to – own a business and be a manager and go home at the end of the day of working at your business and managing your home affairs. You know, no one knows. I mean, I don't know what that's like, um, but I can't imagine the stress that, you know, you know that it actually involves but i can imagine that it involves a lot because you not only have to have oversight over uh employees you have to have uh oversight over employees that you know um, you know to handle money uh you have to have you know oversight over employees that uh have to report certain information um over employees that, you know, have to handle certain information about taxation, uh, uh, human resources, uh, payroll, you know, so on and so forth. All these things, um, if you are in a position of management, these things are stressful. I don't know what that's like. One day I would like to, but for those who do, I'm pretty sure you know what I'm getting at. So let's take that on a grander scale. Now, I'm not saying we have a lot of people who like Trump, but what I am going to say is, you know, it's easier to criticize someone when they're, you know, when they have that amount of power and they're under, you know, they're being micromanaged and they are constantly being scrutinized because they are um, an elective figurehead. But you have to you know, take into consideration that this man is he pretty much has the government in the palm of his hand and it's so he has to keep himself surrounded with so many different issues. Of course, I you know, I'm pretty sure he's very committed to the state of Israel but aside from his commitment to the state of Israel and their issues, he still has to deal with you know, managing budgets, um, making sure this person gets that, um, managing deficit, uh, uh, hearing about you know different uh, bills that should be passed to protect certain companies, and hearing about problems that are happening with minorities. Like there, and figuring out what to do with minorities. There are so many different elements to. Uh, being a leader that you know we we don't really understand until we're put into that position. I can honestly, if I had a chance to talk to Trump, I would ask him: Is this anything like running your business? <laughs> Is the presidency anything like running your business, or do you miss just running your business? Um, because being the president of a country has to be stressed with you know having so many people um micromanaging your presidency your prerogative and your personal life um but even in the midst of that you have the power you have so many diff you have so many different powers let me say it but in the uh, essence of that power, you also have the power to forgive. And I guess when I look at the whole situation with uh, Trump and his clemency power in regards to Sister Asada Shakur, I couldn't think of anything else but to say, well, you know, with her being a political prisoner so long, and with her you know as a matter of fact, I don't know if anybody remember this, but during that time where they were quote unquote uh the United States met with Cuba to have that normalcy uh relations conversation, and there was uh, there was a conversation that came up within that uh discussion about uh, political prisoners, and there was a list that was composed of the exchange of political prisoners, and the Sada Shakur name came up. And I remember uh, Governor Chris Christie was saying that uh, they should bring back Sada Shakur and lock her up. He wanted her head. And it um, she's on the FBI's most wanted list. And it's just uh, a most wanted terrorist. I'm sorry. According to uh, Wikipedia, it says that she's um, on the FBI's um, most wanted terrorist. She's considered as a terrorist. But, you know, what's so interesting about this, uh, when I look at this, and then I look at uh, the crimes that have been committed by uh, Dinesh D'Souza <laughs> Um Which could be considered kind of like money laundering, but um, you could, you know, funneling campaign funds through uh, fake names and things like that. Or when you're someone like Alison Johnson, who got, you know, she was, she was, her situation just seems like it happened out of desperation. Um, But nonetheless, you have all of these different people who committed very different crimes nonetheless, Um, and most of them have, you know, served their time. Um, Now, Sada Shakur, she's not here in the United States, of course. Um, Most of us should know that, Um, but she has been, uh, she had sought refuge in Cuba. Um, She sought political asylum in uh, Cuba, and during that time, of course, I mentioned a few minutes ago, that during the Cuba uh, uh, normal uh, the normalcy relation uh, conversation between the United States uh, Obama and Cuba during that time, you know, of course they wanted Asada Shakur, but the president of Cuba was like, we're not giving her up because they already know that if they were to send her back over here they would have already, I'm thinking they probably would have already killed her. And I guess you could kind of expect that because during the time, you had the whole situation with Mike Brown, uh, Trayvon Martin, uh, all of these different uh, things that were going on at the time where cops were just, you know, getting at our people. And it, it was no doubt in my mind that this sister, if they got a hold of her at that time, they probably would have just went on hit and killed her because they said that if she ever came back, they was going to put her, well, not if she came back, she was already what, I I think think she was already on what, death row or something like that, but she escaped. But nonetheless, um, I'm thinking about the whole situation um, with Trump and his clemency powers. And Asada Shakur and the one the another thing that popped up in my mind while I was thinking about just the sanctuary cities um, in the scriptures you will see that in the organization of government throughout uh, the book of Exodus Leviticus numbers all the way to Deuteronomy um, all the way up to the book of Joshua you start seeing this um this uh outline of laws that should be kept during uh during the time that they started to civilize Canaan the laws were written before they civilized Canaan um but one of the laws that were to be put in place was regarding the sanctuary cities in the suburbs of the priests, and um basically, let me see if I can find it. I'm gonna read this particular uh let's see if I can find it here. Hold on for just a second, you guys. Um, while I'm typing and while I'm waiting for this to put up, and there was a particular verse or verses in the Bible that was regarding sanctuary cities and uh, political asylum and uh, political prisoners. And with the political prisoners, of course, If they were considered to be a manslayer, if they had, you know, incidentally killed someone, if a man incidentally killed someone and was considered to be what they call a manslayer in the scriptures or what they call a murderer, then if he fled to a city, then he would have to basically stay in that city that he fled to, or they would call quote unquote sanctuary cities uh, where they sought political asylum. He would stay in that city for. Um, during the time that the uh, leader who was reigning over the city that he escaped at the the time uh, he would have to stay in the sanctuary city during the time of the reigning administration if that when that priest dies then the political prisoner can then return to the city of which he escaped from now that's the way it was set up in the scriptures. And you can see somewhere down the line in the midst of the conversation, uh, let me see if it pulled up already. Okay, and this was um numbers five uh, thir- number thirty-five and uh six. Uh basic says here hold on, let me numbers thirty five. Okay, so number 35, it says, six of the towns you give the Levites will be cities of refuge to which a person who has killed someone may flee. In addition, give them 42 other towns and all you must give the Levites 48 towns together with their pasture lands. The towns you give the Levites from the land the Israelites possess are to be given in proportion to the inheritance of each tribe. Take many towns for a the uh for from a bri- from a tribe that has many but few from one that has few. Um, this is verse nine says then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, select some towns to be your cities of refuge, which today we equate with being sanctuary city, uh to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. Verse twelve. They will, they will be places of rape, refuge for the avenger so that anyone accused of murder may not die before they stand, stand trial before the assembly. These six towns you give will be your cities of refuge. Give three on the side of the Jordan and three in Canaan as cities of refuge. These six towns will be a place of refuge for Israelites and for foreigners residing among them uh, so that anyone who has killed another accidentally can flee there. So I stated that earlier um that if you accidentally kill someone, you can go to the city of refuge uh, before you uh so that uh, you don't die before you actually have to uh stand trial. So going forward it says verse 16, if anyone strikes someone a fatal fatal blow with an iron object, that person is a murderer. Uh and basically, um, it goes into the ramifications of um, if you are a murderer, you know, you should be put to death. Uh, that's if the avenger don't get you. Uh, and if the avenger kills you um, and you're innocent, then the avenger should be put to death nonetheless. But, um, darn, I wish I could have found that other verse. But nonetheless, um those are sanctuary cities that were supposed to be established in the uh, Levitical cities, in the suburbs to be exact. And what eventually happens uh, during that time is that if a person who um, is granted political asylum, they can stay there for, uh, for as long as they can. Now, I haven't necessarily looked up the... Uh, laws uh, regarding sanctuary cities in the United States, but I only brought up the biblical um, uh, perspective because I know that the, you know, sanctuary cities that we have here in the United States are uh, fundamentally based on these ancient principles of political asylum in the Bible. Um Afrajekor, she sought refuge in Cuba. Now, although she hasn't necessarily stood trial, and she hasn't necessarily um, uh, been, I guess you can say, uh, captured or anything by the United States, she, you know, has went through so many different... Well, she's went through several different administrations. I guess in 2018, with Trump and his clemency power and him, you know, pardoning so many people, I kind of, you know, say to myself, you know, I wish Asada Shakur should be uh, granted amnesty you know, because she stood for a cause and, you know, there was some things going on with the Pro and the Black Panthers during the time where, you know, things just got out of hand. Um, but they fought for a cause, and I think the cause just caused some turbulence where people were harmed, and we can all agree to that. Um But I think she's done her, I guess you can say she's kind of served her time, so to speak, because she's been a political prisoner for, gosh, what it says here, she was convicted in, let me see, says that she, what, she was convicted during 1970, but some sometime between 1973 um, and 1979. Well, 1979 is when she escaped. And um, I think that would have been, you know, uh, serving time enough because she was basically ostracized from the United States. Well, not necessarily ostracized. She, you know, she fled the United States, but then she couldn't necessarily come back um, but I don't know i I was you know these things were you know running my mind uh running around in my mind, you know while I thought about all of these different people that you know was released from uh their stigma, and I say stigma because I know that usually when you commit a crime, you are labeled as, you know, you're labeled as the, you know, labeled for the crime that you committed, you know. Um, They were released from the stigma. I don't really know how Trump feels about the sister to this day, Um, but I wonder would he consider granting her you know, forgiveness, granting her, um, granting her some type of clemency, considering that she had been, you know, she had been gone from the United States so long, um, and with all the evidence that has come out about COINTELPRO Pro and all the dirt that they did during the time uh, the Black Panthers. Uh, the Black Panther movement had came out, when all of that, you know, basically happened, um, I wonder, you know, now that all of these things have surfaced about what was actually going on, will they have some leniency upon her considering the fact that, you know, they know that, you know, it wasn't necessarily all of the Black Panther's fault of what actually happened. But, you know, of course, the state trooper Werner Forrester, um, he can never get his life back. But, you know, I guess now I'm just looking at the fact with everyone being uh, pardoned, you know, do we think that Sister Sada Shakur can get the same type of clemency as well? I mean, it's just something to think about in the midst of all this turmoil that we are experiencing here in the United States and what we're experiencing as quote-unquote African Americans uh, who are the children of Israel. We're experiencing all of these, you know, uh, these curses or something like a curse. I'll say it that way because, you know, we are not necessarily cursed anymore as a nation. As a nation of people we're not cursed anymore. But we are suffering the curses because of our individual vices that we have, um, that we struggle to overcome because we don't know how to overcome them. And we don't know how to overcome them. Again, because we don't have a sense of self. We don't understand who we are in this time. We don't understand, you know, why the government is operating the way that it is, why, you know, companies can just basically tell, um, you know, a black man that you can't just sit inside of a coffee shop and you're going to get locked up for not buying anything. Or a sister who falls asleep inside of the, you know, the the student hall or whatever it was. I can't remember the sister's name, but a couple of weeks back it was a, a sister who, you know, had the police called on her because um, she was sleeping inside of the student hall or whatever. And um, they basically, you know, profiled her, so to speak, because she was a student there. She showed them. Our apartment, but nonetheless, um, the school has protocol, um, and these are the things that we still struggle with as a people. We still are trying to learn ourselves under this uh, protocol in Rome, in Babel, which is, you know, in 2018 still uh, complicated because. The system is so perplexed, it's so entangled with confusion, it's so entangled with um, with illusion. You know, but one thing that I did gather from the whole situation with Trump being able to um, grant clemency to uh, people as a man being scrutinized and being under the microscope right now, is that if you have a man who you know in the midst of all that's going on around him and I know that he does not have a lot of uh he don't have a whole lot of people on his side right now um but as a man who has a whole lot going on uh in his uh uh as his, under his presidential prerogative and his family life he still finds time to say you know what I'm going to grant pardons to the people who I feel deserve them. I'm going to grant them some mercy. You know, I hope that somewhere down the line that when our people who are on this continent who are Suffering the, suffering the identity crisis of being called African-American, black, negro, um, who are under the illusion of Christianity and uh, Islam, Buddhism, Taoism, atheism, or ism, who are suffering some ism, some form of vice, um who are actually the children of Israel, these brothers and sisters who are walking around here calling themselves Negroes, who are actually of the tribe of Judah, these Latinos or these Spanish-speaking people who are walking around here not knowing that they're from the tribe of Asher and uh, Simeon and Debalon and uh, Nephtali, these Native Americans who are walking around here don't know that they are from the tribe of Gad. When we unify, when we can find a sense of spiritual and political peace between us, and we decide to put our differences aside and come together and shake this uh, identity crisis off of us, this corporate fiction off of us, hopefully we'll have our day in court and we can have our clemency from the most high. We're We're in our trial stage we've we've been on trial for a very very long time many centuries and we've been pleading our cause and our causes have been micromanaged by prosecutors who are known as congressmen and presidents and you know um, our statesmen and governors And we have not necessarily seen the best advocacy amongst these people because their court is, you know, know, twisted in such a way where it functions, um, I wouldn't say uh, primarily for them, but it functions in a way where you have to stand on your square and you have to really, really stand firm. And you have to really know what you're petitioning for. And I think that's another thing. We can petition for clemency. We can, we can petition any president at any time to give us as a people some amnesty. But we have to know what it is that we're fighting for And we have to fight together because at this particular point, with this wave of knowledge about who we are as a people that is circulating across the globe, it's, 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 it's worldwide now. It's in the airwaves. It's not even a mystery anymore. And you either really accept the truth or you can really just live in your cloud of identity crisis. But the truth is still gonna be the truth. But once we come to the truth, we can we can petition for our clemency. And I'm pretty sure that the most high will grant it because we've already done our we've already done our time. The only reason it seems like we're still doing our time is because we're still hung up and caught up in our ego and our individual vices that we have and We're caught up in all these different ideologies and these philosophies about, you know, about what happened so many years ago. And to be truthfully honest with you guys, that's not going to help us to try to fix what happened 2,000 years ago because we weren't living back then. But what we can do is learn from these people's mistakes. Learn from our ancestors' mistakes. Sure, you know, it was revealed to me that our ancestors were not the best creditors, and we weren't the best debtors either. We didn't make smart financial choices. We didn't didn't take advantage of our uh, uh, role in capitalism. You can read that in the scripture. You can you can actually, if you pay attention to history, you can kind of read it to it. For those who have read about the Moorish Empire, for those who have read about what was going on in West Africa and things like that, I'm not I'm I'm not like a history buff or anything like that. But from the little that I have been able to understand, we haven't necessarily been the best of people, and that's something that we really have to be honest about, I know that you know we can we can talk about slavery all day long, you know uh but in two thousand and eighteen, we really have to start asking the question of what happened before we went into slavery, or what happened uh during fourteen ninety two or before fourteen ninety two that would lead up to us even being uh arrested and brought here because we were arrested. No doubt about that. I mean, you may not necessarily see it as arrest, but it was arrest. It's the same, there's the same system that we see in the scriptures being played out today. The same laws that you think is, quote, unquote, you know, gone, gone, nailed to the cross with Christ, is being activated and executed by the Clermont of modern-day Rome by the name of President Trump. Whether you like him or love him, he's executing the law according to the way it was set out. Now, I don't want to... Uh, You know, make any listeners uncomfortable because I know that a lot of people are still dealing with the fact that they don't like President Trump. He's not really a favorite of mine either, but because I want to be objective about what it is that I'm talking about, I want to speak in such a way where I want us to all understand. On the flip side of all of this, and I know a lot of people can't see it now because, you know, we're going to constantly keep looking at the world through our own shoes. But on the flip side, because law is a universal concept, what if it was you? Because at one time, it was you who were passing the law, who were Supreme Court justices, who were uh, notaries, who were bank owners, who were governors, who were statesmen, who uh, uh, who were aldermen. You know who are comptrollers, who who work for what they call the Internal Revenue Service. It may have not been called the Internal Revenue Service before, but we managed one before. We've been a part of all of these different elements.
1: If it's it, if it is your
0: turn, what what would you do? And this is something to think about because a lot of us, don't we don't know ourselves and we don't understand power. And if you put a person who don't understand themselves in a position of power, what do you think is going to happen? It's no different than giving someone who is, is really not good with money, who is not really good with finances. It's like giving that person money and just watching them really just throw it away. So you think about that. I'm pretty sure there's some going to be some listeners who are very great with money, but then there's also some people who are great with money and not, and still don't understand power. We have to think about what if it is our time to sit back in the seats of of executing protocol. What are we going to do? As my elder would always say, you better get yourself in check before you do that. And I'm starting to understand why that is important to make sure that you you check yourself because not only are you going to be micromanaged, but you are going to be tempted. But not only are you going to be tempted, you're going to be overwhelmed from from the power perspective and uh, uh, the public perspective. You're going to be overwhelmed. And I think another thing that we also do need to learn how to do is learn how to forgive people. I am in no way about to imply that you know, we need to forgive uh, anybody that we don't necessarily want to. But I am going to say that we need to start practicing forgiveness amongst ourselves and learn how to forgive our forgive each other, um, because that's what's going to help us as a people shake this uh, shake this identity crisis and work through this illusion so we can get the hell out of here because it's time. Babylon is crumbling. The dragon is really showing its face. And there's something big being prepared. If we do not figure out what it is that we are that we are experiencing at this latter end of a empire that has been around for God knows how long. If we do not figure out what we are going to do, we're going to see a repeat of what happened to those Israelites who were caught up in the, political scandals uh, of the Sakari, the political scandals of the Pharisees, the political scandals of the, you know, the Tetrarchs and all of the different things that were going on during the time um, that Herod was in, you know, power. And and a man by the name of Yeshua was walking the earth, and he told them, get yourself together because what you see now there won't be a stone standing upon each other because this whole place is about to fall. And maybe not necessarily literally, but what ended up happening was that you had Rome basically evict these people and these people fled into Africa and maybe certain different uh, areas of Asia, but nonetheless, they fled into Africa. Some went into North Africa. The majority of us went into West Africa, and we settled there, and we we regrouped, and then we, we took over the world
1: during the Moorish Empire.
0: We have to figure out what we are experiencing right now before we end up in another situation where Our people see another invasion of a uh, dragon that is not Rome, but another nation coming to attack Rome. And this dragon may not necessarily be as nice as the dragon that we're dealing with now. And what also happened during that time is that our people were sold into slavery during the Roman Empire. That's what happened. We need to figure out who we are now. We need to figure out what we want to do in terms of moving forward. And we need to give and grant clemency to our brothers that are around us. The Negro, grant clemency to your brother. The Latino, grant clemency to your brother. Native Americans. Grant clemency to your brother because it's that love that you guys have for each other that's going to help you to get through whatever it is that we're experiencing right now. And then eventually get us to a point to where we, the Native Americans, the Latinos and the Negroes can see eye to eye and we can really, really work on this petition to God to Grant us some clemency, <laughs> and maybe in this time, maybe in this generation, and maybe not in this generation, but maybe in the generation to come, we may have a Cyrus the Great who may grant us our clemency. You never know; anything is possible. So, on that note, because I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm preaching to the choir or anything, but I just wanted to share these uh, words of wisdom this evening because. I felt it was very important for us to understand, you know, in this day and age that, you know, we get so caught up in politics that we don't really see people for who they are um, or really see, allow ourselves to see what's going on. And sometimes we can uh, misjudge people. We can misjudge people or sometimes we're overly critical of people and we won't allow them to be themselves so that we can see all of them. In this day, I can say that, you know, it was a very big win for Alice uh, Johnson. Uh, a lot of people um, applauded Kim Kardashian because she was the one who petitioned. Um, she met with Donald Trump and, you know, petitioned him to grant amnesty to this young lady uh, by the name of Alice Johnson. Now, I don't know if there's any brother or sister um, who will do that for Assad Shakur? I know that during the uh, Obama administration, comm and, um, you know, he kind of um, paid homage to Assad Shakur. Of course, he was, uh, he basically was reprimanded for that um, in the form of them snatching him off some uh, performance or something that dealt with. Uh, uh, some convention or something that he was at, they snatched him out of it for paying homage to Sada Shakur, but um, Sada Shakur, you know, she was on the Obama's uh, clemency initiative in 2014. Um, I don't know exactly who petitioned for her clemency, um, but I'm hoping that if it is, you know, considered, or if the petition goes through, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe Trump and all his and all his—I like to say—bipolarism. <laughs> we can see some goodness. You know, we can we can pull uh, uh, some goodness from one of his personalities and allow that sister to come back because she's also been on a mission for for Israel as well. She spoke on several different um, topics about Israel. Um me most of them are on youtube um and most of them are online but nonetheless, I don't wanna you know uh keep us here all you know all night but to our future listeners and to the offspring in the future. Let this day and the message of today about clemency resonate with you so that you'll learn that. We struggle with forgiving in our time. I'm pretty sure that before, our, before this generation, our ancestors struggled with the, you know, act of forgiving, giving, of their time. But in the future, we hope that you're a little bit more humble than us, and that you will be a little bit more leaned, to, uh, leaned toward mercy for your fellow brother. And maybe even people outside of you, you know, because we're all here, nonetheless, um we don't have to you know like each other, but there should be a point that where we can we can learn how to respect each other, respect each other's spaces, and live amicably live amicably amongst each other to where we can do commerce with each other, you know. So just take these words of wisdom from your brother Cedric in the future. And for our present listeners, please do the same. This is your brother Cedric. I am out. Please enjoy your day.
1: Shalom, shalom.